Welcome to the Good Words Podcast. This is Rebecca. And this is Tim. So here we are, um, a little bit exhausted again. I feel like that's our, like, our, you know, our word of the day usually that's, for that's this. That's what we do. That's what we do. Um, <laughs> podcast. When you're a parent of toddlers, you're exhausted. That's what you do. <laughs> So yes, we continue on with our our struggles of life and our joys of life, and um, you know we've been uh, doing a little bit more looking into um, you know more more parenting stuff. So I've become a huge um, skeptic. I feel like of parenting everything. Like I feel like even though I'm a writer, I feel like writers of books are mad. They're mad. mad. As in insane. <laughs> right. Insane. Because, okay, so, like, take, for instance, like, Love and Logic or um, I- any parenting book, really. You know, like, I know that they try to go for, like, 80% of, like, people and, like, there's, like, the outliers or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just made up a random percentage. But um, I feel like any time that you feel like you you have this system that's going to work on children you're you're literally mad <laughs> because even if it does work a lot of times like i mean i like people are so unpredictable i'm unpredictable but kids are unpredictable you're unpredictable mm-hmm. like systems are insane yes. for parenting and so i've been like listening to this um podcast thing on uh, well, not podcast, a webinar, like on um, play therapy and stuff. Cause play I'm, therapy. Can play, you explain play what therapy play therapy is? It's trying to, um, you know, get at some of your children's emotions and what's behind things, mm. you know, using a, a, a way of like them not directly telling gotcha. you, but, um, you know, a safety net for them where they mm. can play through some of the stuff but anyway one of the specialists was like talking about how this guy like super believed in his system and so he had this family there and he was telling them all about the system and stuff sure and so then the kid escalated and instead of doing what the guy the therapist thought he would do he like escalated and stabbed his brother in the eye and so i feel like that that Check is like and mate. <laughs> that (laughs) is parody like uh, you know like i i just feel like it's insane like and so i find all like i find help in like all these little ways but i have come to believe more and more that we should just thank the lord for anything that goes right with our children (laughs) you know because it's like we have kids that sleep through the night you know and so people could ask us like you know and we've we've been intentional we have like the song we have the calming things we've done we've read books and done all this but i'm like it is the grace of god that they do that because there's been a million other things that we have been intentional about and have not worked at all yeah, we cannot manipulate them into doing what we want 90% of the time. Right. And so thank you, Lord, for giving us a child that will not ever do what we expect. Why is that a good thing again? <laughs> because it is like it's so... good for us in the way that like kale is good for us? Like Yes, it brings okay. me to my knees like every Ugh. day. Yeah, it is like kale. Ew, gross. Yeah. Um. Yes. And so like, okay, Tim and I, one of the things that we were going to do as parents was we were like determined to have our child eat whatever we put in front of them, however we did it, because we are like, we're going to be missionaries. This kid is going to have to learn how to eat whatever we want. Uh-huh, he's totally. Gonna, he's not going to care about crunchy peanut butter, smooth peanut butter. He's going to be grateful for what we give him. Yep. Or if he doesn't, you know, we'll just send him to his room and it won't matter or whatever. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, so we've done all the methods. It didn't. It doesn't work. Doesn't matter. No, he's still he's still very picky. He, today the bread was the wrong texture, and that was the end. That that was the end of him trying to eat lunch for until we yeah. And at church, like okay, we they had give us pancakes before church, mm-hmm. and I started eating my pancake, and I was like, oh no, it's more moist than they normally are, and so I know my child is gonna freak out. So he takes a bite and he starts running for the door. You know what I mean? He's and literally so- <laughs> running out of the room because the pancake is slightly 
too moist. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's insane. This is what I hated. This is what I like. I could not stand. I just I was like, we were gonna like. I would judge parents so badly if their children were picky eaters. I was just we like, we were like, no. we're gonna do this and teach them and whatever. And and even with bringing our kids to a third world country, like you know, when people say they'll eat when they're they're hungry, but I mean, our child literally starved himself. <laughs> he went a full 24 hours without eating. No. Problem. Oh, he went day. He went days. <laughs> and, and you know what? So if we've tried all those methods and it just is for naught. And so I'm just like, man, you know, seriously, like anything good that comes out I remotely, I know is from God because like, I'm like, this is bull. Like when people tell you that they could like, yeah, that they can, that you can manage your child. How could you, I mean, that's manage why- a human being's psychology. Like, nope. Nope. How, would you, how would you possibly think you could have control over another person? But that's what these parenting systems and books That's what claim. everyone wants. That's really what everyone wants. And so they claim this. And I'm like, okay, that's insane. Like, literally insane. You cannot have control over another person. Okay. That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess, I mean, that's some of, like, our book with, like, the idols. And we'll get more into the book later. But, I mean, like, with the idols, like, of psychology and stuff. Oh, sure. Of, like, of trying to think that if we know more, we can understand the brain. That's what we talked about last yeah. time a little bit, you it know? tempting. It, yes. Yes. And I'm like, no wonder it's, like, an idol. But I'm like, it's all, it's all insanity because... That's all it breeds is insanity. <laughs> Trying to think that you can have a system that's going to control your kid and make them. And if it, if it does, praise God. But I think that that was God and not the system. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's why I'm always like very skeptical. And I'm like, maybe I've got an all judgmental. But I'm like, have these authors like ever been humbled? Because like, I love that the psychologist that I was like listening to their story had somebody like stab the other person in the eye like not that i want that to happen but i'm like that sounds life. like that that person was humbled right, right? trust that person's approach to things now because they have had something terrible happen yeah now i trust them because there's always going to be something i mean if 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 there isn't like a lack of total control then something is going wrong meaning like someone is just faking it Stifling or it's just not enough experience or, or they're being uh, turned into robots yeah something is happening or maybe god just made them that way by his grace i don't know but <laughs> well some people do have children that respond to all those things in ways that are predictable and i guess i just feel like that but it was none of that was the systems yeah that's true so you're saying if you have a book out there that you're like, you're, you're right now, you're opening up your email client, and you're getting ready to tell us like, well, you haven't tried this or that thing. What, what are we saying? We're saying. I mean, I've picked up tons of good little things. Like I've, I've, I've had my kid, I've had our kids see a lot of therapists. So I've picked up tons of good little things, but I just feel like it's all like if anybody claims that they know what is going to help mm. or whatever, they're insane. Gotcha. <laughs> okay except for the bible <laughs> like i mean you right know. and there's a certain amount of vagueness in the the parenting instructions in the bible yeah there's not a ton right but the, i mean i guess just constantly seeking god is the only thing that we can do and that makes sense because it's constantly changing and there is no system and we have been humbled again and Ooh. again well we dived we dove real deep, real quick, in the, into that parenting stuff. So, oh yeah, had to get that off our chest, I guess. Uh, I think you're saying maybe I should. We because... we had to really. <laughs> yes, yes, I was talking about you. Well, I'm like, this has been our week. Like, like we don't have exactly funny anecdotes. Maybe we've mm, more had like sad, funny, and like a laugh lot of because things. you know, unless if you don't laugh, you'll cry. That sort of thing. <laughs> Our bee progress is going well. We did have... Oh, lots of dead bees. Yes. Lots of dead bees. We did end up getting a bee trap to go with all of our other methods. So the war on these hornets are are continuing. Yes. And Tim has not gotten stung again. I'm freaking out, though. It has made me super (laughs) nervous every time I'm outside and feel a bug. I'm like... He's gotten a wee bit twitchy. (laughs) I am very twitchy around bugs. That's true. (laughs) 
<laughs> but like i'm sure it's gonna rub off on the kids they're gonna like start freaking out because they're like watching me like avoid anywhere where i've seen bees and be like uh i don't know though because simon's still got his bat and yeah, it's really intense about killing the, the hornets he does. we got so the the trap is hanging from the tree kind of like a bird feeder and it's getting filled up with the carcasses of these wasps and stuff and uh simon's like staring at it and like <laughs> Simon do you do you want to go look at the trap he's like yes I do <laughs> he helped me hang it he helped pick the tree branch to go on he's, he's like watching it like trying to ask questions about it so, like well they're pests they're little bugs that are pests and so we need to get rid of them so they don't sting me anymore <laughs> the other night he killed a bug with his book or whatever. And he's like, I didn't have my bat, mom. So I used to book. book. <laughs> uh, sorry, library. <laughs> and another thing we've done to the library books. Uh, we should have been charged much more than we've already been charged. Oh, man. That's what I'm saying. Like when they when they do catch us and give us a charge, like there's really no point fighting it if it's, you know, somewhat sketchy or somewhat <laughs> arguable. It's like because there's enough things they've let us get away with. So I don't know if we shared that, but there was the whole incident where they ate all the numbers out of the books because they didn't like the Eight. the way the numbers looked. Chewed chewed them up, chewed up the and corners of the page. a pound yep. of paper. Totally, <laughs> totally. I think that's a boy thing, right? I don't know if girls do that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they do. <laughs> um. So yeah, our sermon today was about um um love. What what did they call it? Loyal like. The love of God being like a loyalty, love, love of loyalty, loyal, loyalty, love. The main phrase of the sermon. I can't remember that far back. <laughs> it's Sorry. been too long. Well, yes, the, it was the main question <laughs> of the sermon. I didn't have like... a pen in my pocket, so I didn't take any notes. <laughs> so you have to like take notes to get remember it in your head. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Okay. So he was saying like, basically like it's like the word he was giving the jewish word or whatever and it was like the love the like a loyal love like who doesn't want a loyal love it's like the word for grace in hebrew could also be interpreted as as loyal love yeah it's interesting and and so like i think like my first thought was like I don't feel the loyal love from God. Like that was my first thought, you know, like, cause I, I'm always struggling with, um, mm. do I, do I feel God's love and stuff, you know? So for the past year or so, maybe longer, um, Simon has been like, will come up to me and be like, mom, do you love me? Mm-hmm. And at first I used to be like, of course I love you because <laughs> I'm like, I'm telling him I love him like so many times a day. Like I'm like secretly thinking, kind of you idiot <laughs> of course i love you now go back <laughs> into your hole <laughs> of course i love you get away from me <laughs> exactly big signals Can't not you at all see it <laughs> my love but anyway <laughs> no i didn't do it like that but i just was like of course i do and it was like weird because uh-huh. i keep saying it so here's the thing so now lately i've been like starting to like drop down to his level you know like when he asked me like physically right like get down on your knees look him in the eyes and say yes i love you and then it's like he'll like just relax or smile sure. or go, or go on plane and like the thing is is that's when he's ready to hear and receive it i feel like the other times it falls on deaf ears because yeah. if I he's too say it a million times. upset about something or yeah yep or it feels like he's just been treated poorly he's not going to hear it or just during the day, apparently he just doesn't hear it. I'll just be throwing it out randomly and yeah. he can be perfectly happy, but he's not letting it in. Isn't that, that's so human. Like it's so, Isn't it? it's so exactly right. It's like, God's telling us he loves us like all the time. Like the Bible's full of it and all this and different things. And, and we're like, oh, well, well, God, do you love us? I'm like, yes, because <laughs> he's yeah. a good father. He sits down and he does it and he says it. And he's like ready when we're ready to receive yep. it because I can be reading a whole chapter of the Bible talking about love and it can still not go in. But when I'm ready to actually like receive it, you know, then, yeah. then, then it's there, you know, and, but it's, it's hard for me to picture like that constant love because I so seldom constantly let that in, you know? Right. And, and I was even thinking about, okay, so I am, 
I'm in a great deal of physical pain, as we've talked about. And so if I drop to the floor, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be in pain. And so most of the time, like if my kids are trying to tell me to play on the floor, like I say no. But if it's a question of like love, I drop to the floor because I'm like, whatever pain is worth it, because this is a moment that I need to get this in. And I was thinking about that today during church. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like when when Jesus went on the cross, like Mm -hmm. he, I mean, obviously endured the pain in order to tell us, yeah, way more pain than I am. Right. Right. (laughs) But it was, it was a huge display of, of phenomenal pain to, to tell us that he loved us and to win us back. It's the perfect example of, of knowing what the most effective communication could be. Like, I mean, obviously God understands us as humans and our psychology, and he knew that that was the most effective way to communicate his love. Right. Crazy. Right. I like the way you say that. That's beautiful. Thank you. And um, so, I don't know. That's that's a challenge. I know some people can tend to feel God's love all the time or, or know, you know, that he loves them, but that it's definitely a struggle to just keep that consistent picture of a loyal love you know so much of it is holding a picture in our minds like we have to tell ourselves a story to make it make sense yeah it's interesting right because otherwise i mean you just start to assume or go the other way so quickly you know doubt everything I mean, like Simon does that so often where all of a sudden, like he's doubting it again. And Well, so much of our stories are about the twist and about the surprise and about that you can't trust appearances. Like how many stories like the, the plot hinges on the, one of those, you know, mechanisms. What do you mean? Like our human stories to each other, just about something that we find interesting or entertaining needs to have something unexpected, needs to have like a surprise or a like challenge that that we didn't see coming to be the most effective so what was the unexpected or the thing we didn't see coming to be most effective i'm saying that predisposes us to doubt the stories that we're seeing that says god loves us right you're right because i mean it is in contradiction to life where circumstances and life in general are changing every single day every week and so then to have this like constant force that this constant person that is our whole lives like seems i mean it's completely contradictory to everything that we know here on this earth you're so right which brings us to one of the points we're going to talk about from the idols for destruction chapter where we make an idol out of security from other sources from our money or from our government yeah yeah so talk about that a little bit well it's I mean, I think the the interesting part of that is that we start to look at government as something that will give us safety and security, or we look at our money as something that will give us safety and security because it'll be there. Like if we just have enough in savings, like we can survive bumps of a certain size and certain magnitude, but like it, it can all go away. It's all just mist. It'll all just, you know, evaporate one day uh, in the not too distant future, probably. And we will have lost all of that earthly security. And we're still just so caught up in thinking that that's where it comes from. Yeah, so it's almost like, like, are you kind of talking about how the state almost becomes, we kind of become reliant even on our, on right. our nation as kind of a safety net, like if we become unemployed And not whatever. just safety net. He said in there that we turn the state into father, like And that is the danger of being too gung-ho about any one political perspective is that it puts a role on the state that turns them into the father. And anything that is not God, the father, is an idol, if we're calling it father, like in in a way that is, you know, the trusting, relying beyond our earthly fathers. That is a great point, you know, and one of one of the quotes in this was um, that that he that he said was um, talking about Jesus. Um, the crowds who had fed on the multiplied loaves and fishes were ready to receive Christ, not because of who he was, but because of provision. Yep. So at first it was his provision. And that's kind of like you're saying, the state provides us, you know, with with our needs, like as kind of like a, a backup, like. Mm-hmm even for the most self-sufficient of us, like we know there's Mm going to be unemployment. There's going to be medic 
Medicaid or Medicare, yep. like yep. all these things, you know? Yep. And like you said, I mean, that's, that can change it into a role of a father, which is completely frightening. Yeah. And, and we don't, it feels like we're just being pragmatic. We're just being practical. We're just taking the world as it is. Like if they're offering those services, like we should take advantage of it. We should use it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't use it because we have, but it is a larger question of, is it wrong to keep piling these responsibilities onto the nation, onto the state, onto other people's, you know, taxation? Yes. So this this whole chapter is called Idols of Power. And um, so another thing that he kind of talks about is um, that I think kind of flows from from what we're talking about here is he says that all the U.S. dollars belong to the government Ugh. and we're just borrowing it. Actually, uh. this was what you kind well, of yeah, said. Well, yeah, it's like the IRS like sees it as every dollar that's out in the public belongs to the government. It's just being, you know, loaned to the people. When we get our money back, like um, from taxes, like I get so pumped, you know what yeah. I mean? Because I'm like, oh, we got money yes. from the government almost or whatever. Right. And it's almost like... I'm like thankful to them for giving me back my money. Like, no, it's crazy, right? Yes, it is. It really is. Which is why it's so interesting to me that it feels like we could go a couple different ways right now with the advent of cryptocurrency. It feels like we could be at an end of some of that power, that that power will be weakened. And the way this author, Schlossberg, talks about it, we can expect some serious pushback from state governments about cryptocurrency like serious pushback because it's a significant amount of power they have that will be taken away by the loss of central authority over currency if yes. if it goes that way i don't know that it's going to go have that way they had, do you know if they've had any pushback so there, far or like people that are really into the cryptocurrency and the bitcoin stuff see it everywhere they see like every news story about anyone regulating the activity as a a sign of the government you know uh, holding them down but i don't think that's entirely true i think some of it is like we really are just breaking regulation sometimes like there's there's people running exchanges there's one guy who's in prison right now who was running an exchange that was closely associated with the silk road that famous oh. drug selling thing like he's the one who sold a lot of the bitcoins to people that use those bitcoins on the silk road like he was very popular at the time and so there's all these laws about know your customer which Honestly, you think about it, it's a sensible regulation. Like, know your customer. If you're being a money exchanger, it's your responsibility to know whether your customer is good or bad. So that makes sense, like, why that would be a law and a regulation. Like, I can see why people would say, yes, that's a good law and regulation. That's a way to protect ourselves from illegal activity. Right. But the way the cryptocurrency people think about the world tends to be completely... Um, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Like they don't want to know about it. They don't want anyone to have any centralized control or authority to say that anything is right or wrong. And and like, and like that seems so extreme too, because I mean, you want a nation that's able to protect you with the army and able to protect you Law from- Law enforcement. From, yeah. Law enforcement is not things, the enemy in theory. Yeah. From it, things like money being sent to these like illegal activities. Yeah. Like, so you want- some government you know but it's it's that fine line of of how much you know and mm -hmm. even talking about you know he was talking about how even like architecture like there was a danger of architecture being mandated by the state and now we know that that has come to absolutely be absolutely true like in every hoa in every town and city that has it like you will go in and you see the walmart that has like <laughs> faux you know oak logs holding up this the awning over the entrance so you're like that is that is a weird looking Walmart. And you're like, okay, that's because this city has strict architectural laws and rules that make all the buildings look a certain way. Right. Which, like, okay, that it's a nicer looking Walmart than normal. It's not just a big <laughs> concrete box. But but also it's like, wait, what like what right do you have to regulate this sort of thing about people? Like what their homes look like, what color they paint their cars and stuff. Like why are we giving so much power and so much authority over our personal uh rights? Yes, which brings us to another one of our points where um talking about how um does government wish to eliminate total privacy in order to have total control? I mean, how much how much are we willing to um, 
you know, how much are we willing to put up with? How much are we willing to let them have control over in, in our order to lives? protect us? In order to do law enforcement activities, you mean? Right. Yeah, that's that's a good question. It's again, it's another thing that's talked about on the internet a lot, and I find this one interesting because he is a you know strict conservative, you know, basically libertarian author from the '80s, talking about the danger of government invasions of privacy. Which kind of makes sense, but then we now fast forward 30 years and the liberal progressive side of the political spectrum has picked up this rallying cry of loss of privacy is dangerous. And I think it's interesting that they have seen the sensibility of fearing big government uh, programs of tracking people because (laughs) they're just as suspicious of the Republicans having that power and they know that every eight years it could flip flop back and forth and it'll be the opposite party will be in power that next four to eight years and do you want them to have that whole state's security apparatus that can monitor and track everyone's information well what i get scared of is them tracking the children's uh, information you know Mm. like i mean we we get these developmental things from the doctor each time we go in and it's like a national developmental um survey yeah Thing. And I mean, I get nervous about like putting our kids in there or getting, you know, therapy or whatever for our kids, because I'm like, what if it's now some we're in point some system this, somewhere this turns and this is a big problem. Like if all of a sudden, say something comes up where where that's not that was not acceptable and, and my kids who... get flagged <laughs> like that bothers me. Yeah. The people who host, you know, uh conservative christian podcasts will be persecuted (laughs) we don't know we don't know i don't think that's what's going to happen necessarily but it's just like it's one of those things where it's like okay why why would we give the government that power like why are we trusting the government to be the ones that hold that power in order to protect us like limit 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 the power they have let them protect us but you know err on the side of caution against government power right right which is what which is what we've done honestly like that's what has shaped politics since this book has come out i feel like that is one of the central debates that we have still is about do i trust the government to provide these services and make things right or do i trust myself and my family and my community and my god to make things right and to protect me right right and not putting that that trust in I mean, yeah, to put the ultimate trust into God and to respect our government and our leaders, but the ultimate trust in God. And, you know, but but back to like the the power, Mm. you know, and limiting that and stuff like and, you know, with our kids and stuff. He talked about like, was it Sweden or Switzerland? Sweden, Sweden, where, um, you know, like all these kids uh, got uh, basically. Um, taken from their homes right like a hundred thousand or something because of the massive amount of control that was was had there um and uh, so i find that completely frightening um and one of the one of the i'm going to read um a quote we don't usually read longer quotes here but i think this one is important um so Okay, so Ellen Richards, who founded the modern social work profession, treated children as social assets under which the state graciously allows parents to exercise stewardships. This is what she says here. And the social republic, the child as a future citizen, is an asset of the state, not the property of its parents. Hence, its welfare is a direct concern of the state. And um, so, I mean, that is completely spooky, of course, yeah. you know, but I mean, that's like some of the, I mean, not that we're supposed to give into fear and stuff, but I mean, that is, of course, the constant thought of the future of having so much information out there about us and our children and everything. Yeah. And, you know, like, at, I don't know, at what point do they start getting yeah. flagged or control getting taken from the parents and if what if your kid isn't you know uh doing what the system like we talked about earlier what if your kid is one that doesn't 
do anything that people expect and that the systems expect, you know, you yep. don't have control over your kid. <laughs> right. Like that, that does that like bother the state eventually? It probably raises flags. They probably will spend time and energy researching you and seeing if you're doing anything to cause those problems. If it's your fault that the child is maladjusted or, you know, being abused at home or something like that. And I like, I get it because it's like, well, who would possibly deny someone the power to end child abuse right like that's that's a powerful argument to go against right exactly like, i mean well, that's so, so you're important saying if the state had this extra power then they would use it to prevent cases of child abuse yeah then who wouldn't who wouldn't that? who wouldn't go along with that but then that isolates you as a parent, like, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and that was one of the things that he's talking about is the danger of the state sometimes likes isolation because then you become isolated. And so you're looking for hope somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if you don't look to God for it, then you will start to look you know, and all kinds of places to mm-hmm. try to get stability. Because, I mean, if you feel like you have to hide these things, you know, about you or your child or whatever, it's I mean, like that we, could be very dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like we turn to legislation for our for our safety. But, yuck. Yeah. Hmm. And I know that there's huge movements to, like, it's very different right now if you have a developmental disorder than when we were in school and stuff like i mean for the most part i think that they're integrated a lot better and there's a lot more help and assistance Mm -hmm. and understanding and everything um but i just i don't know if it's just my personality and other people have that fear but i'm like i always just feel like it could change it it could always switch all of a sudden the state thinks that they could take better care of a child that is difficult yeah, and if you really want to really assign some, you know, spooky uh, power, then maybe they want to take over the parenting for the state's good, own good. They want to take away the power of the parents so that the people in power continue to be in power because they have the ability to influence the children. He brought up, okay, this 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 chapter had a lot of arguments that involved Nazis, <laughs> which <laughs> which is other chapters have had these same issues. He's a little this is a problem. This that. is a problem, but he's <laughs> apparently done a lot of reading about it, and I can understand it's been a big shaping force of the 20th century, and so lots of people discuss Nazis, but like it's gotten to be such a thing where they're like, okay, if you bring up Nazis in your argument, I immediately shut down and stop like <laughs> listening to you because it's just used as a club to end all arguments, right? But you do hear about those those instances where the Nazi party really like brainwashed youth and into turning in their parents. Yes. If they ever committed a crime against the state, if they ever were less than completely um, loyal to the party. Right. And I'm not saying we're anywhere near that happening. <laughs> I'm just saying that is another power that could be uh defended by giving the state more power over our children's lives because change is constantly happening and like you said we're not anywhere near like the nazi regime but you know if if things crazy financial things happen if if different wild situations happen i mean it is amazing how quickly things can come into play and um and you know like i mean the tides are always changing. Yeah, I mean, always. You never know when, you never know when big catastrophes can change everything. The the flu, the nineteen ten flu epidemic that killed at least ten percent of the world's population, like that changed all kinds of things. Like, and you never know, like if that's blamed on someone or if that's a act of bioterrorism or something like that, like. That could drastically alter the entire political landscape. We never know what could happen on the other side of this crazy world. That could cause the state to all of a sudden take their their power quicker. Yep, and the closer they are, the easier it is. And the more people get hurt by it. And the bigger the government is, and the more people that one government controls, the more damage can be done. Yes. Which is the criticism against globalization and globalism. 
Yes, yes. Where as if you have um, kind of like, you know, more power, like in the localized setting and stuff, like these smaller pockets, if they get infested yes. by some crazy, like, you know, like a Nazi sort of idea. Right. If you have, <laughs> It's a small pocket. Right, it's not an entire nation. <laughs> you have a really terrible mayor or a really terrible governor of a state. Like that's still like, like isolated. Like there's a firewall there between that sort of uh, thing happening. Anyway. <laughs> so there's like some safety there where you have um, a lot of different, um, you know, you have, you have the the church having authority in your life you have the local government mm-hmm. having authority in your life you have the the entire government over your life you know you have like all these different authorities and it's it's almost better to be a little spread out like that it, it could be anyway it, it is especially better <laughs> especially if you're not on the the side of history if you're a you know <laughs> If you're a person in a society that is being drugged along by more progressive elements, then that's the danger of the centralized power. Because if the progressive elements can um, make a government more progressive and make a uh, change that is centralized about who can use which bathrooms and such, right. then that is a thing that people in power are very happy that they have that power because they're freeing everyone from the tyranny of small-minded, uh, local conservative, uh, what, I'm trying to remember. Um, what, what was that, that gal who made the big famous stink in the South back when the, um, the gay marriage thing, she refused to grant the licenses. Oh yes. Yes. Well, she was a local government official and, Anyway, she was stomped on because she was a government official who was trying to govern her her seat of of power in the way that she was elected to do. Yes, her area. And, you know, and it's like the states get all these different funding and all that funding can be pulled if they don't adhere to this federal mm-hmm. mandate of things. So it's and interesting. So the federal government can really suck up a lot of the state's power that was intended for the states. And you can look at that. If you just look at the money balance, it's interesting to look at which states send money and which states receive money. Interesting. I've never done that. Yeah, I I don't think I've ever looked at the whole list, but I do remember there was one internet video talking about Texas specifically because Texas is one of the ones where they talk about um, like secession, like they can secede from the union still. Like like Texans (laughs) are big on like this independence thing. Well, one of the things they have going for them is that they send uh, $2 to the federal government for every $1 that they receive from the federal government. Interesting. So if Texas, you know, shut themselves off from the rest of the union and stopped giving funding to the federal government, they would be fine. Like they would use all that money for their, oh, that's their own people. fascinating. Like which states are, that is very, very interesting. Not every state is in the same place. Some of the states are very poor and receive a lot more funding. Very interesting. Which, I mean, which makes us like, I mean, it, it pulls us together and keeps us together, but it also kind of created, it creates like a, a communist sort of. Yes, it is a redistribution. In, in a way. That's what taxes are. Taxes are a redistribution in order to help each other out and to build a strong base of, of uh, power. That's interesting. Are we protected by that strong base of power? Is it more important to have the strong union of states that can stand against the whole world? Well, I don't know because, you know, he was he was giving a quote by Kennedy, which I don't pulled up here, but, mm. you know, he, he was talking about how the general public couldn't be expected to understand all the intricacies of like <laughs> the technical details of governing in this new world are too difficult for everyone to understand. And so it is fascinating because, I mean, if you have the centralized government, I mean, some people do think I think like the. Like either intellectuals or people who are the high businessmen that are making the billions, like the biggest people, like mm-hmm. they have this idea, I think. That I they know I best. Really, right, right. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, maybe they know more than the average public, you know. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I think that there that's the danger of the centralized government being too large is just that and being filled with people who believe that they are special and unique and that they have a better understanding of how to make rules and rule so another one of the things that um 
you know, is kind of supposed to keep power in check in a way is the free press. Mm. And um, that has been interesting because I feel like... Um, Tell me more, journalism major. Mm-hmm, exactly. So I have a lot of thoughts about mm-hmm. the press. <laughs> and so, okay, so Trump um, has had a lot of um, negative Problems. things to say <laughs> the about the press. Yes. And a lot of things to say about the press. Um you know, being irresponsible against. with their power. Yes, exactly. Maybe having too much power. Right, exactly. Which then, if you start to believe that about the press, then you start automatically giving the state more power because you've kind of killed the fourth arm of government in it's, a way. It's like a teeter-totter, like there's no middle ground. Like you can't like make the press more responsible while at the same time holding government in check. Well, possibly, because, I mean, I believe that he has a point. I believe that the the press has started to say, I mean, the press has started to not be responsible in a lot of ways and to lie in a lot of ways, you know, and I mean, there, I mean, there's that story coming out about the, like, was it, I can't remember which major news network, but he was, you know, specifically saying to basically lie about this thing, you know, oh, and yeah. I, I, I should have had my information down better at this point. But but um, we've been uh, studiously not following the day to day, week to week political news because <laughs> honestly, we just don't have the mental energy for it. We don't. We don't. So I don't have the complete story there but i do think that there's a lot of inaccuracy in the press but i think to um i i just think that it's dangerous to not have to not to try to cut the power down of the press Mm -hmm. is also dangerous but um they don't have the checks and balance though of the rest of the arms of the government so it is it is kind of difficult but i mean i think that the hope there is that now we have so many different forms of journalism coming out i mean we have so many different people reporting and stuff and so i think (laughs) that's where the the new battlefield is that's where the new political battlefield is is like oh that news source is not reliable they are fake news they are not real right yeah like that's now you can now that there's not just one or two major you know political newspapers you have this infighting you have this uh, ability to bring the battle down to which which source of information do you trust and that makes it very difficult because I think that there's so little trust of the press at this point. Oof, to a they great, have lost a lot of their authority, their moral I, authority. And I mean, I think that we definitely need them to keep to keep things in check in the other pieces of the government. I mean, I think that makes sense. I do think of them as being like the fourth, the fourth arm. Like you know, yeah. they talk about that. I mean, and maybe it's an idealistic way of looking at it, but I mean, I think that that could be a very scary place to be in. That if the if the press isn't to be trusted and it's gotten corrupted in some ways, you know, like how are we supposed to? They're succumbing to a mob mentality that is giving them assumptions that. <laughs> fundamentally make it impossible for us i don't know like, like they aren't doing their job like oh, okay. the way that it was intended to do and so that is going to put us into a bad place of not having like this i don't know like this third party uh like overview oversight of of our powerful government exactly exactly so i i mean i just think that that could be a weak any i think that could be a weak spot but i do think that the hope lies in that the generals there's a lot more general citizens getting involved in the fight and and it's easier than ever to to know exactly what's going on if you want to (laughs) if you can stand it and try to sift through and try to figure out what is actually truth Mm-hmm. But it makes for a complicated system, and I don't know. I think it makes a lot of people tune out mm. because there's a lot of well. Because if you don't feel like you can trust anyone, then it doesn't feel like there's anything anyone has to say that's worth listening to. Yes, because you can't trust anyone to be speaking intelligently about a subject or truthfully about a subject. So then, why should I listen to anyone? Why should I then care about how our country is governed? And if then, I can't change anything or even know what's really happening. 
And then that gets scary because then a lot starts happening and it does give more power to the state. Mm-hmm. If... Think crazy things happen. Yeah. Yes. So another another one of the major points was the idea of utopia. Um, and so, okay, so what what is, what is dangerous about the idea of a utopia, Tim? Well, I think our fiction has outlined very clearly all of the dangers of utopias, especially science fiction. Like, it's yeah. a very common thing to talk about this utopian world that is actually really in control and is uh, too powerful. I mean, it's just, it is like the 1984 thing. Like, that's the anti-utopia. The ultimate story about a utopia. It really is. (laughs) And I think that's, I think that's interesting. I think it's hard for me to think of utopia and not immediately like be suspicious of it just because of the way our postmodern world has dealt with it. But I think his point to look at was that there are utopian ways of thinking that sneak in and that start to shape our our perceptions about our government and again that's just his his big thing which is the idol of government is uh people who ultimately believe that there is a chance at a real utopia yes yes and so okay so do you think that technology has um created a resurgence of people believing that there could be um you know more like a utopia again like Probably because of the basic physical needs having been taken care of. Like our technology has made it so that it's very straightforward to provide for people's basic survival needs. And so people just keep, you know, playing that forward and projecting in their minds where that line is going to go. And it's like, well, if eventually we're going to be like the way Gene Roddenberry saw his Star Trek universe, you know, (laughs) we're going to have replicators that produce whatever food or things people want. We'll have instant transportation. There will be, everything will be completely open and flat and humanity will live in a, you know, completely uh, utopian world where we don't have to worry about money because everything you want or need is easy to obtain. And so here's the thing, like, I personally think that we don't even realize, like, the utopia thinking, like, I think most people are suspicious at this point of Mm -hmm. utopias because of, we have have this entire dystopian, you know, dystopian, right, thank you, movies, books, everything, we are suspicious of that, but I don't think that we believe, I don't, like what I'm seeing right now is that I don't think that we even see that we're buying into this right. utopia belief. Because dystopians have become such an element of fiction, we'll never believe that we're actually enabling one to be created. But we are expecting things to be easy, you know, so we are expecting a utopia. And people are starting to experiment it. with that. Like people are are getting money and power and beginning to experiment. Why Combinator is one of the big um, tech uh, startup incubators in Silicon Valley like they have millions if not billions of dollars at their disposal to do the create these startups every like there's two seasons a year of all these startup companies that get so many months and they get all this mentoring and training and investment in order to create these new companies and one of the things that Y Combinator leaders want to do is uh, experiment with creating a neighborhood that is has basic income available so that they can conduct a sociological experiment I think they were talking about going into Oakland, California, uh, one of the poorer parts of the Bay Area, and giving people basic income to see what would happen. Oh, interesting. But, like, not working for it? but like Right. Regardless, you don't have to prove that you tried to work. You don't have to submit any justification. Like, is no one working in this government, in this community? Or can you work I, if you want? I assume you can work if you want. They just, I think they want to measure what happens. Do people choose to work? What kind of work do they choose to do? How much, how productive are people if they don't have to worry about, you know, things like paying the rent? Very interesting. And I mean, and I think, so, but I mean, I think even more basic for all of us, like, even with our phones and stuff, like, mm. I mean, we're able to instantly, like, get the information, like, well, I mean, I'm sure we'll all be getting, like, the, the, 
Google type of glasses eventually sure. and like having all of this stuff. And we just like expect to have it all, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it's like just a part of our life and stuff. But I think it creates this false sense of like, I think it create, I think it's already created a utopia where we have this false mm. sense of like expectation and stuff and, and, and isolation and everything because You know, you don't, you don't have to think about, you don't have to think about starvation and babies dying and all these different things because you Absolutely. Because of efficiency, because of technological efficiency, because now we have things like Uber and we have things where we can use computers and technology to make every scarce resource not scarce anymore. And you have to make a conscious effort to care about other issues in the world or like you know um i don't know trafficking or or different Mm. starvation and stuff like you have to bring yourself out of of everything to consciously think lift your head up from the the thing you're focusing on in order to see the bigger picture and i think the busier everything gets like the more technology surrounds us and the busier everything is around us like Mm. the easier it is to just going to be to stay in our little societal bubble and i mean i just think it'll be easier because there's i mean if like our phones are already like tied to us and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if we're like doing like the glasses and everything on top mm-hmm. of it and everything, like I just feel like it's like literally the way we see the world will be shaped by our technology and someone else's uh, way of moderating and editing that information. Yes. Literally the way we see the world. Yes. Fascinating. Yes. Fascinating. Oh, sensor. I can I can put, you know, big black sensor uh blocks now over the things I don't want to see. Right. Interesting. Right. That sounds like a really good power to have. <laughs> <laughs> it seems really useful. <laughs> Which is the danger, I guess, because you are giving this power to someone else or even to yourself, to your artificial intelligences, to your computer programs, to your uh, automated assistance. Hmm. Yes. And even if it's not like a, we're going after like the traditional utopia of a philosophy or something, mm. it's still a philosophy of like comfort or something. Comfort I don't know what is it the is. power that we, you're right. Oh, I like the way you, I like the way you brought that around. Like I wasn't thinking about it that way, but, but our use of technology, our belief that things are just getting better and better, our belief that society will continue to solve problems and make life better is another idol. Yeah. Okay, so let's get personal here for a second on this utopia idea as well. So what about like church here on earth? Mm. So like you and I were for a short time, we were we were leaders, you know, of a um, of a church program and um, we had some huge ideals of like that this is going to be. We dreamed big. Right. We talked big. We were like, this is going to be this family on earth. We are going to help each other. Yep. We are going to be, you know, we're going to live out some of these things that we believe the body of Christ should be. So did we believe, like I was shattered when it ended. And so part of me thinks that I did believe that there could be like this sort of. Mm, heaven on earth. Right. And so like, what is like the church function like i mean it's supposed it to should be, be that we should right it's supposed to be light it's supposed to be like it should be so good that people want to be a part of it right so is it is it a utopia like Ugh, yes it is it totally is that is that is scary because we totally think that i think about that ways to make a church more <laughs> utopian to you know like well people should be you know, physically close to each other in proximity so that, you know, people aren't driving a half hour across town in order to get to their church. And all these other things were like, that would really solve some of these problems. That would really draw people closer together. And people shouldn't be isolated from this, that, or the other. And people should text each other and call each other every single day so that they're, you know, they know what's going on in lives. Then someone knows what's going on in your life so that you're never alone to face this harsh world. Yes. Which is, I mean, which is what we're encouraged to do. Like, I mean, in the Bible and stuff, you know, but it does feel like God tends to... Well, because ultimately then you have to govern that. We've seen it. 
What is leadership? Leadership is government. It comes down to setting up rules and systems in place to make sure that the things that you care about continue to happen. And I've, uh, right. And, and I've seen people, God move people in this governance, Mm -hmm. like around and stuff. And I get all bitter and stuff because people get moved around, things Mm, shift and stuff. But I mean, is that him like not letting that utopia thing completely happen here? That's a scary thought. Because I mean, we are supposed to be the slight, but I mean, I mean, are we ever going to have that, that stable body? I mean, we're hoping for heaven because Mm. it's just not here, like even in our churches. But yet I dream of it. It sure seems like a good thing to shoot for. It right. seems like it's a lot much worse things to uh, fall down on. I mean, it's what we've built our uh, ideology. Like, you know, we have our whiteboards of ideas mm. and it's what we've built it on is how to make. How to make that happen. A family around you. That family, community, discipling relationships occur. It's not easy. We don't have the answers, but we see those as the big goals that are worth aiming for. But you know, but are we aiming for some sort of utopian vision that is making an idol? I don't know because Ugh. I mean, I've sure have had a ton of disappointment in this area, and it's never really worked like I thought it would. But <laughs> that's a good point. But yet, I mean, yet how can we not shoot for? You know, the, Enacting... the dream of the acts too of having everything in common and and supporting each other and doing everything for the kingdom of Christ. You know and mm. So how can we not shoot for that? But I feel like in general, whenever we start trying, we start getting frustrated and disappointed because it doesn't quite work the way we're thinking. And again, how can we tell the difference between the world and the powers and principalities of this world fighting us versus us attempting to go after something that isn't blessed and isn't actually as God honoring as we think it is? And how do we, you know, like there's those things with, with like the Rick Warren system of a dream where he's like, you're going after the the dream and you hit, you know, like you hit all these difficulties before the dream comes true. So how do you know if it's just like the process of growing and being discouraged until the dream comes true, or if you're just trying to go down the wrong road? This, that's the important question. That right there is the important question. That's what so much of it comes down to. And I guess you just have to have the confidence Faith. of God that it's that it's the right thing. And I mean, get the holding it loosely enough to be willing to let it change, but it sounds insane. It does. I feel like I'm going crazy. <laughs> okay, well, I have one more question for you. And this is the most personal of all of the questions. Oh, oh boy. I don't know. I should check my heart rate. <laughs> I'm about to ask myself a very personal question. Are you stressed? Are you stressed? Are you stressed? This balloon is your is your peace of mind. I'm going to pop it. I'm going to pop it. Are you stressed? Oh my goodness. Um You're gonna have to cut all that out. <laughs> Good luck. Well I Okay, so so this whole thing is about the idol of power. Now he never really takes it to this personal place of mm. of how much power do you want? Mm. <laughs> but I mean, like how uh, I don't know, like how much like so much. <laughs> Too much? How much do you want it? it? I call it independence. I call it freedom. But it is really power. Yeah. Oh, that's true. The power to choose. The power to go where I want when I want. The power to buy what I want. The power to be isolated from the poor choices of others. And that's like there's something in that that's like the I deserve statement. And uh, when you huh. think I deserve, it tends to be it becomes a resentment. An idol. Mm-hmm. An idol. Yeah. An excuse for resentment. Yep. And I think for me, like one of my greatest fears is anonymity. Like I don't like it's so frustrating to not be you, published. You're afraid of being anonymous. You're afraid of no one hearing about who you are. Right. Yeah, and so sense. it's like not being published or like if this podcast doesn't like start reaching a bunch of people. How many is a bunch? I don't know. More than 10? Like 100. <laughs> uh, okay. Like I, I just feel like and then maybe I'll get greedy for more. I don't know. But I just feel like I have this 
burning desire for people to know who I am and that is constantly an idol that I'm struggling with because I'm like very much not satisfied with not being known and what how I want to be known is through either teaching or through speaking in this way or through a book or whatever having your work be recognized as valuable but it's hard for me to just be content with the people who know me we could have could have just ended the sentence every one of us could just have ended that sentence earlier it's hard for me to be content (laughs) but i had to finish it because it's it's about the idols of power it's personal and so i mean this one I think everybody wants some power mm-hmm. in some way, but it's it's like I mean, I, like how do you want how do you want that power? And you want it through independence. I want it through being well known, <laughs> you know, and and all these things. And and how do we, you know, like we can talk about the government and we can talk about all the different other sources around us and how they can be corrupted by power, but like how are, how, how are I being it? corrupted I by know. power? That's a good point. It's good. Don't just let it be about other, yeah. About other people's problems. So one thing that's important to note is that next week, we're probably not going to move on to the next chapter of idols for destruction. We have another book we want to dive into real quick and uh, we'll talk about that next week. Um, but, you know, if you're following along, trying to do the homework ahead of time, good for you. But, uh, yeah, we're probably not going to do the next chapter uh, right away. It's going to be a different thing. Right. There's been some th- an issue that we have to settle in our minds. And, mm-hmm. and I think, um, yeah. It's going to be hard to talk about. It is. It's going to be hard. So <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> um, but we cannot end this episode without doing a Quizniak question and this one my friend goes to you Tim and so I am not in the hot seat so my my seat is rather hot the sun is streaming in <laughs> through this window directly behind me it's getting very warm oh <laughs> well I am happy to not be the one um you know Answering. under the pressure oh boy so um okay so question 10 they are on the endangered species list are you going to lock it in now? No, there's <laughs> hundreds of species on the endangered species list. <laughs> Nine. There are less than 12,000 of these animals left on Earth. Uh, this is not helpful. This is essentially the same thing that was just said. <laughs> well, 12,000 seems like a lot to be on an endangered right? species list. Right? Doesn't it? I think so, too. Um, eight. They are native to Asia and Africa. Oh. Okay. Uh, I'm going to lock in my answer. Oh. Seven. They're extremely shy animals. Six, their claws are not retractable and can therefore be very dangerous. Five, they have no natural enemies. Four, males leave the cubs when they are very young and do not return to help rear them. <laughs> Three, they can Good go... Good for them. <laughs> uh, I found my new mascot. <laughs> my spirit animal. Is this... <laughs> If you start dressing up as this, they'll know that you're going to run away from me. Um, three, they could go zero to 45 miles an hour in only two seconds. Whoa. Um, two, although they're covered in spots, they do not have spots on their bellies. One, they're the fastest land animal in the world, reaching speeds up to 60 miles an hour or 96 kilometers an hour. And the answer, of course, is... The cheetah. Now, did you get it right? Not at all. <laughs> Okay, what uh, what did you guess? I um I guessed elephant. That hey, that would have been a very fair. That was a great guess. Well, because it said native to Africa and Asia, right? And like there are African and Asian elephants, and I know they are fairly endangered. But the cheetah, it's very specific. I know that was that was a great guess. When did you start? I to did suspect? not know cheetahs were native to Asia. That is a surprise. When did you realize that it was the cheetah? When we started talking about claws? Uh, no. When so when we talk about claws, I'm like, okay, we're talking about a big cat, obviously. Right. But I'm like, lion or tiger. There's not that many big cats. Yeah. Cheetah. I did not know a cheetah until it said you, they can go from zero to forty-five. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and it does seem like a huge number to be on the endangered species list. Especially because large cats like have such a large area that they, uh, you know, are in charge of or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like it seems like a fair 
does. Fair amount. <laughs> yep, it does. Well, this has been another week, uh, another episode of the Good Words podcast. As always, you can find our episodes online at terribleaudio.com. Uh, where you'll find links to the different places like the iTunes store and other things where you can subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave us a comment on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and we'd be happy to hear from our listeners uh, about what we <laughs> could do better. Or just, uh, yeah, if you, if you love it, then, then let us know. If you don't, then let us go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.